Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. All right, hour two of the show called Inside Sports is underway. Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins all week this week. Glad to be here. J.G. Paggio has scored his fifth goal of the postseason. The Islanders up 2-0 early in the third period of play in game one of their second round Eastern Conference playoff series with the Philadelphia Flyers. Still to come tonight, Dallas Stars will take on the Colorado Avalanche. The Stars have been goal-scoring machines lately. Uh, They have scored 24 goals in their last six games. And can you believe they were 12 seconds away in game four from being down 3-1 to the Calgary Flames? And that didn't happen, obviously. They won the series in six games in the second game rather convincingly, even though they were down 3-0. You wouldn't even know it. Flames uh, had their uh, wrap-up today. Talk about that a little bit more. And we'll have Pat Steinberg from Calgary from uh, Sportsnet 960 on the show tomorrow. Uh, the Avs are dealing with some injuries as well. They'll be without Ford, Matt Calvert, defenseman Eric Johnson, and goaltender Philip Grubauer. The Jays win today uh, as they uh, take out the Tampa Bay Rays by a score of 6-4. Randall Grichuk, another homer, three-run shot, but he had to leave the game because of back tightness. Toronto Raptors, they won't play their uh, next round. Uh, their uh, Eastern Conference semifinal series until Thursday against the Boston Celtics, who have given the Raptors a whole heck of uh, trouble. Uh, they, In fact, the only team to beat the Raptors since the NBA restart in the bubble there in Orlando in 12 games. The Raptors uh, had no problem with the Brooklyn Nets sweeping them in four in their first-round series, 150-122 to yesterday. How about the bench scoring over 100 points, but Kyle Lowry, their uh, all-star guard, has been diagnosed with a left ankle sprain. What about the Montreal Canadiens? They uh, shocked the world, the hockey world, with a four-game win in the qualifying round over the Pittsburgh Penguins and gave the Philadelphia Flyers all they can handle, but they lose in six games. And to talk about it, our good friend from Global, Global Montreal, Brian Wild. Brian, nice to have you back on the show. Oh, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, the, the run is over for the Montreal Canadiens, yeah. and it was, a, it was a pretty cool run. Uh, they got 10 games out of this season, out of this restart, and I think that's probably maybe, I don't know, some people thought that might have been seven games more than they should have because a lot of people did not pick them uh, to get past the Penguins or even win a game here. But uh, overall, man, it was, a, it was a good story from this, uh, this young group of uh, hockey players out of Montreal. Yeah, it was a shocking story. I mean, before the playoffs started, uh, you know, everybody was just really angry that they made them. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it was it was like, what? We don't have a 12% chance anymore of, of, of getting the next great hockey player in the world? This is horrible. You know, so, I mean, there was nothing but anger. Um, and then, you know, then there was a large group that they were really mad that they weren't going to pick ninth. 
So, I mean, when they beat Pittsburgh, then there were people who were really angry that they dropped the 16th. So there was very little joy about the Canadian success for the longest amount of time. And then, you know, right around game five, you know, when they actually started to really play effective hockey, everybody was like, wow, so this experience, you know, Kotkaniemi looks better, Suzuki looks better, uh, the first pairing looks better, and everybody's like, wow, the experience they're getting right now, this is fantastic. <laughs> you know, so there was this, like, this great attitude change in the Montreal community that uh, they weren't so worried about Lafreniere anymore or who they could have got at nine, and, and suddenly the conversation was, oh, you know, nine and 16, there's not that much difference between those two picks. And so uh, everybody got pretty happy in the end, and it was a great run. And, uh, and for the future, you know, sometimes that gets over-talked, uh, and it's very kind of esoteric, and you wonder if it's really going to be true. But, I mean, they weren't sure what Suzuki could bring, and he brought a lot. They didn't think Kotkaniemi was even an NHL, or they sent him to Laval, and he comes back and plays well. And so there were a lot of ups, for sure, a lot of ups. Yeah, no, no question. And, you know, I, I know how fans um, play the, you know, the, the, the draft and the draft lottery and and the biggest carrot. Trust me. I mean, you know, and you know Edmonton well because you used to live yep. and work here. Uh, and the Oilers have been very good at winning draft lotteries. But at the end of the day, it's hard for fans, I think, to uh, understand the mindset of an athlete, even though I think we all have that competitive oh, yeah. nature, but but not at that high level that, oh, I yeah. mean, players don't care about draft lotteries and draft picks and you know losing to the flyers is probably pretty devastating for this for this young group who who really gave them gave the flyers all they can handle i mean they outscored them for goodness sakes and they were shut out twice in yeah. you know which is crazy yeah you know alavino is actually you know very good at boring and claude <laughs> julien is very good at boring i mean there are like barry trotz is like He's like the master genius at boring. I mean, you get to the playoffs and, and you guys know it out in Edmonton. You guys can play exciting hockey. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, it's all about playing kind of low event hockey. And and as a fan of the game and grew up, uh, you know, being a season ticket holder when Wayne Gretzky was winning championships, um, you know, we used to leave a game at the Northlands Coliseum. It was like 9-3 over Pittsburgh. And we're like, how come they only got nine? <laughs> Jeez, they mailed it in tonight. You know, so, I mean, this is not the era of hockey that uh, excitement wins. Um, and Alain Vigneault kept it really, really dull. And, and he outdulled the, the Canadians. And I think that's kind of what happened because you're right. I mean, shutouts two shutouts and you thought oh my god these guys can't ever score they're terrible and then the next night they get five you know and then it's back to a shutout again so it was it was uh it was low event and it, you know i'm you know if you were a neutral i don't know what did you think of it like did you watch any because that is a neutral i bet you thought it was fairly dull uh you know i thought it was low event hockey i think this yeah. is, is a great description but i thought when you know when they went back and forth i thought the canadians were the better team they had the better chances they had the better uh, zone time um but unfortunately they're not as gifted offensively as the flyers yeah. and that that kind of showed up again in game six where the canadians were the better team but you know if you call it puck luck they're they're just not as talented i mean nick suzuki's second goal kind of shows you uh how they need to score and it, it kind of reminded me a lot of the oilers in the late 90s or early 2000s and i think maybe they had a a, a slight 
uh, edge in talent, but not much. I mean, they always had the goaltender that would give them the knockout punch if it was Curtis Joseph or a Tommy Sal. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just felt it was kind of the way that the Oilers or that the Habs needed to play. But at the end of the day, that's what the Flyers wanted to happen, and they they won they won the battle at the end of the end of the series. Yeah, you know that last game, Game Six. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but the shot attempts, of course, he was around like five thirty for the Canadians. So I mean, mm-hmm. you consider that that essentially before the playoffs or uh, qualifiers, even against Pittsburgh, began. Everybody thought that number was going to be seventy thirty for the other team. Yeah. So I mean, they, you know, they proved a lot. They proved a lot. Now, I don't know if that's going to translate to the next season in December because, you know, in a small sample size, there's some weird stuff that can happen. I expect the Oilers, for example, when they start up in December, I expect they're going to be outstanding again. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in a small sample size, you can get extremely disappointed if you're in Edmonton or you can get extremely excited in Montreal and you're 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 in the middle both times. You know what I mean? You're better in Edmonton than you showed, and Montreal's not as good as they showed uh, over the long course of the season. So we'll see. But I mean, it's nice that um, you know being a Montrealer and having to cover the team. And I always say, I'm you know obviously we're not homers, but we do enjoy when it's not crap being you know slung. 24 <laughs> 7 so you know it was it was nice that there was something really really positive to talk about for a change because it was a really rough season i mean they did finish 24th and only yeah. by the stroke of covid did they even find themselves with an opportunity to show that they essentially did not suck as much as they showed for the entire season to march 13th so um everybody's pretty excited now and they got a big draft coming up they got 14 picks coming up uh they're only choosing six 16 now uh, instead of nine but uh, still you're going to get a nice player at 16 uh they'd like to improve a little bit on the wings um i can actually see a trade uh with edmonton in fact i wouldn't be surprised if max domi moves and i think edmonton's a nice target for them Mm -hmm. um so we'll see what happens i mean you guys need some scoring on the wings you got to get deeper on the wings than you are now and the canadians need to get a little bit bigger um they're just not big enough on the overall. They just lose too many puck battles. Yeah. It's okay to have a Brendan Gallagher. It's okay to have a Max Domi. It's okay to have an Arturi Lekkanen. You know, it, it's okay to have small players, but I mean, you can't. They can't all be small players. You know, so I think that the Oilers, being a team that's got some size, uh, they wouldn't really struggle if they added a Domi and, and lost a little size. Uh, and I don't know what you're ever going to do with that Finn. I mean, he, he doesn't want to play here. <laughs> oh, yes, um, you Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't you know. know he what... doesn't want to play there. So I like that as a trade. If I could just start a rumor today. Well, one, uh, hey, go go for it. Go for it. Domi for Pugliarvi. There we go. Yeah. You know, and, and like, I don't know. Like one day Pugliarvi's getting traded. The next day Pugliarvi's signing a contract. I, I have no idea where this is kind of going. And it also kind of depends on. What's with, the latest? Well, the latest seems to be that he's going to sign a contract and be here in, uh, for training camp if you know if, if we can get the season on going on time in November. Mm-hmm. Um, so then there was a rumor for uh, involving the New Jersey Devils that you would see Pugliarvi go for Miles Wood, and I think if the Devils want to do that, I would do that in a heartbeat because I like Miles Wood as a player. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of those fast, big guys uh, that that can play physical, and I think that's what exactly Ken Holland is looking for. And I just think there's just 
big fat question mark with Jesse Pugliarvi, even though he had a good year last year in Finland. But that was, again, in Finland. Can he translate that in, into, uh, into the North what? American game? I got a question for you on that yeah. account here because I have been kind of tossing around uh, that deal. Um, like, does he not want to play? I mean, is there just too much bad blood in Edmonton between him and, and the organization now? Or is that old bad blood under uh, under the old regime that's not so bad under Holland now? Man, you know, it, it, I, I don't know. It, it sounds like to me that there was some bad blood from the previous regime under Peter Shirelli and that now mm-hmm. it's Ken Holland's job to try and mend the fences, but at the same time, he's dealing with an agent who is is not happy, let's say, how his client was was maybe perceived or treated, and now Ken Holland has to go, well, you know what, I have to do what's best for my hockey club. I don't have, really have a relationship with you, but I'm trying to learn your player. I'm trying to learn you. So maybe for now, if, if Yesse wants to go to Finland and play, then that's fine. I'm not going to have a guy disrupt my hockey club and disrupt my day-to-day here. So if you want to go to Finland, play, we'll talk later, we'll keep tabs, and there you go. That's That's how I see it anyway. So yeah, we'll I think I would ag- I think I would agree with that. At the end of the day, everybody has to be a professional. Yeah, you know we we you could, know, I mean he yeah. wants to play hockey at the NHL level. He's going to have to be a professional. The agent yeah. has to be a professional for him. Ken Holland has to be a professional that's building a hockey team. Yeah. So you know you got to at the end of the day you got to put personal difficulties aside because you want to continue your career career and you want to put w's on the board so no question yeah it becomes obvious at the end you know yeah it will it certainly does absolutely i mean you got to decide what what's best for your you know yes he has to decide what's best for him and ken holland ultimately has to decide what's best for his hockey club and that includes yesi puligarvi but that includes a lot more than just one player so um and sometimes i think agents have a hard time with that because they want it to be as the sole focus on their client and uh you know we had a bad example this past weekend with alan walsh kind of being a bit of a yeah, bit of a sword yeah, that, yeah, was, that, that was, was ridiculous in my opinion not a great idea not no, a great idea no it wasn't no as we're joined by brian wild from global montreal we're dissecting the uh, the habs here as they lose in six games to the philadelphia flyers in in the first round you know uh, we're running short on time here and there's a lot of storylines we can talk about so i don't know which one you want to choose here but uh, you know i'll just throw a few out there uh brendan, sure. Gallag- brendan gallagher's game five performance uh and unfortunately he got the, the cross-check and the chops from Matt Niskanen, which was a one-game suspension, was ridiculous in my opinion. But uh, the, we'll never forget the bloody smile. Carey Price was the story, but, you know, we all talked about Carey Price has to be the story. And it, he was a story, but it didn't seem like he was the story, which was encouraging for the Canadians. And then you have Claude Julien, who was hospitalized because of chest pains. And Kirk Muller comes in. And I'm just kind of wondering if there was any distinct uh, differences you saw from Kirk Muller compared to Claude Julien. Okay, I'm going to tackle all three, and I'll do it okay. in 30 seconds. Okay, so Claude Julien for Kurt Muller, and Muller did a pretty good job, but at one point he just got really frustrated, and it was just changing his line so often it got ridiculous. Kotkaniemi was starring at center, and he moved him to the wing. So I think he showed his inexperience there, even though he was in Carolina for three years. I thought right. he did a poor job that game, but then he settled down. I think what we learned from Carey Price was that he needs to have a backup. When he plays 63, 65 games, he enters the playoffs. He's completely exhausted. His body is bruised and battered facing 40 shots a night, and he plays tired. 
being that he was really, really rested, I thought that was his best playoffs in a long time, but it just showed that the Canadians need to get a backup that they can rely on. They've been going with an 890 for the last three, four years who's failed. The last was Kincaid. And they got to get a good backup for a change. Uh, that's uh, uh, an absolute must for the organization going forward to have Gary Price start the playoffs rested. And finally, with Brendan Gallagher with that you know bloody smile and everything, it just showed that he's the heart and soul of the organization. And the suspension was ridiculous and as long as George Peros who is the guy that you know basically made a living punching guys out uh, instead of worried about people being punched out I think you've got a problem in the NHL they completely go away from people that are concentrating on safety I know he went to Princeton I know he's educated but it doesn't matter just because you're educated doesn't mean you care about safety and until they're going to start to have a much better attitude about player safety as in someone like Paul Correa being the head of player safety mm-hmm. a guy who suffered pain a guy who understands pain who understands that he may want to take care of players then you're going to have a problem in the NHL because I made the example in one of the Call of the Wilds that I wrote that if the if the idea is that you can cross-check across the face Connor McDavid in game one and get only one mm-hmm. game for it, and then Connor McDavid is not available for the rest of the playoffs or the rest of the series. Right. <laughs> I know where how you're is going. That, how, <laughs> how is that good for hockey? No. It's not. You know, and the only thing that we rely on that that doesn't happen is the actual honor of the players who don't do that. Right. But when a guy like Niskan then does do that, if it becomes the right course of action, the NHL's got a gigantic problem, and the only way that they've avoided it so far is by pure luck. And this is why this is why you're one of our favorite guests here on Inside Sports, Brian. Because I talk too long. Because the segment should have ended seven minutes ago. <laughs> that works. Hey, that works for me. Don't worry about it, man. All right, man. All right. <laughs> hey, thanks as always, Brian. Pleasure. We, we love having you on Pleasure. the Edmonton Airways, and we know how much uh, Edmonton means to you. So, uh, absolutely. Uh, we'll, we'll do this again, buddy. Thank you. Okay. Cheers. Thank you. Brian Wild, who's uh, been a, a frequent guest on this very program from Global Montreal, and you know that he's worked here in Edmonton, grew up in Edmonton, Edmonton boy, started here, uh, worked, called the, or hosted the games on television, and uh, has been in Montreal since 1995, and some good perspective always from Brian Wild. All right, so we got Anders Lee with his fourth goal of the playoffs, and Devin Taves. Uh, the defenseman just scored his first goal of the playoffs into an empty net. So the Flyers or the Islanders are going to walk away with a game one win here in game one of their second round Eastern Conference playoff series for nothing over the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. It's a very controlled game and a dominant game for the uh, New York Islanders who uh, I think a lot of people feel they're going to go to the Eastern Conference final. Uh, but we'll see. It's after, it's only one game and uh, definitely the Flyers have a chance to uh, hit back here, but a pretty dominant performance by the Islanders still to come in about 20 minutes from now here in Edmonton game two, second round Western conference, uh, second round series between the Dallas stars will look to go up 2-0 on the Colorado avalanche. When we come back, we'll talk a little more CFL with the season being canceled and just a lot of voices that we heard last week. We'll wrap it up with uh, Morley Scott, my broadcast partner here on double E football on 6.30, Chad, and unfortunately this year, there will be no double E football or CFL. But we can still talk about it, and we will.
Sutherland for Reed Wilkins this week on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Not quite over yet in Toronto, but the Islanders in control 4-0 over the Philadelphia Flyers. The Flyers do not have a goal from Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, or Travis Konechny. And uh, Giroux and uh, Couturier are playing with uh, Voracek, Jacob Voracek right now. It's had a decent playoff. They, they are just getting nothing going at all. And the Barzell-Eberly line have been really good. Uh, for the Islanders. So it's going to be a one game to nothing lead for the New York Islanders over the Philadelphia Flyers. Still to come, the uh, Dallas Stars try to take a 2-0 lead in their game two of their second round Western Conference uh, Stanley Cup playoff series against the Avalanche. We'll try and tie that series up at one. Jays winners today by a score of 6-4 to four over the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Randall Grichuk, another homer three-run shot, but then had to leave the game because of back tightness. And uh, Toronto Raptors, they're not going to play their next series, the Eastern Conference semifinal series against the Celtics, which will be a tough matchup for them. And they might not have their star guard, Kyle Lowry, who's been diagnosed with a left ankle sprain. Ricky Collins Jr. of the Double E's has opted out of his contract to pursue an NFL opportunity. You have now a week uh, until next Monday to opt out of your contract if you're a pending free agent, whether it's this year or 2021, 2022, and uh, you can pursue an, an NFL opportunity. Collins Jr. has done that, and this is neat. Great Cup won't be presented this season, first time since 1919, but fans will get a chance to have their name associated with the iconic trophy. The CFL is allowing fans to have their names inscribed on a permanent new base to the Great Cup. It is a 1.23-meter-high base that will be made of Canadian maple and when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply aluminum on which the trophy will rest on at all of its season ticket the first crack at having their names uh, added to the base for uh, a low price of $349 the exclusive window began today runs through uh, midnight on Sunday Eastern and after that other fans will receive the same opportunity for $399 the proceeds will go to the CFL's nine teams and players and as we bring in uh, my broadcast colleague on double broadcast here on 630 chen sports anchor on 630 chad mornings morley scott uh morley i think we found a way for the cfl to generate revenue off of this hey eh? this is a good plan <laughs> yeah I, th I think it's kind of neat i think it'll be kind of cool to see uh, your name on that base that's going to hold the gray cup uh, it seemed to have been met today with uh some you know some people like the idea some people not so much some people said hey that's pretty cool some people said hey that's kind of a sad way to generate revenue but uh, nonetheless it's going forward i kind of like the idea i think it'll be kind of cool and i don't know if that if that base is going to stay in the in the hall of fame and and kind of be the be there all the time and when, it, when the gray cup's there it's going to be sitting on on that base but i think it'd be kind of neat to be able to go somewhere where the great cup is sitting on that base and look for your name on it yeah it, it, it's, it's a neat concept and i know the price point is uh yeah like you say there, there's been some criticism of it but you know fans are going to want to step up and have that opportunity so i think uh i think the cfl will uh will, will see the uh, interest be very high for this and then we'll we'll see how it goes uh you know what um i haven't talk to you uh well i talked you know we we haven't seen each other since mid-march 
Uh, we we do keep in contact on a fairly regular basis, and unfortunately, the uh, the the sad news a week ago that you and I are not calling games this year, and if we were to call games, it would have likely been from the same location where Jack Michaels and Bob Stoffer called the Oiler playoff games. It's in our boardroom studio, but uh, partner, we're not calling games this year. It's uh, it, it's a week later, and it still stings. Yeah, it, it is sad uh, that they couldn't uh, come to some sort of agreement with both the federal government and the Players Association and, and get everything on board. But I think, Dave, the, the more I kind of think about it, it's probably for the best. I don't know if uh, the CFL could have uh, afforded the hit that it would cost them to run a, a, a shortened season in a bubble in Winnipeg. Uh, the expenses would have just been uh, astronomical, I think, especially for football. I mean, they're doing it in hockey and, and basketball. It's much smaller rosters. Also, they bring in much more revenue as well without the fans. And I think it would have been very difficult for the CFL to pull this off. Uh, they put a plan together, and everyone seemed to like the plan. But when that government loan fell through, obviously it was, uh, it was time for them just to say, you know, we're not going to get this done. So pretty sad day. We, we've started to see the fallout, I think, over the last uh, week or so. Uh, some players unhappy about it. Some players to say, are, I guess the best thing for the players is that the, the decision is final. And they can now make the next move in their life, whether that be getting a real job, whether that be opting out, like a lot of players are doing today and looking for work in the NFL or even possibly, I guess, the XFL, if they can get up off the mat uh, uh, for a spring start. Uh, we'll see. But uh, at least the players have... Uh, the opportunity now to move on to the next phase, whether they like it or not. Yeah, I, I think we're we're definitely getting to the relief stage. Is that we're not we're not hanging on pins and needles, uh, waiting for drop dead dates and and dates that pass us by, and then we're waiting for the next drop dead date. And yeah, the, we do have some finality, and hopefully, uh, you know, this is a chance for the league to to sit back and reassess things and and figure how to be a better league uh, moving forward. Uh, I think. I want to get your thought about the opt-out uh, for the next week, that if you're under contract, whether you're a pending free agent in 2021, 2022, I don't think there's much beyond 2022, but there might be the odd player that has a, a contract of 2023, although I don't think it's it goes that far. I think it's just for 2021 and 2022. Um, I kind of like it because I think it's a good show uh, it's a good gesture from the league to allow players who believe they have an NFL opportunity to give them that chance over the next week to go opt out and explore that. What, what do you think? I think it's a great idea for the players. I think it gives them the opportunity that they want. Those that can't play football in the Canadian Football League will be allowed to play football somewhere else if they can catch on. It's pretty late into NFL camps to catch on with an NFL team, but maybe some guys can do it. Maybe maybe some players can take advantage of uh, some injury situations with teams around the National Football League. I noticed a great uh, a great number of kickers opting out of their deals uh, yeah. today, uh, and and I guess that's a situation like I mean the NFL changes kickers like they change their underwear at times, right? Uh, they, chances are they, they bring in, every every team brings a guy in a couple of times a year for workouts. I believe on Mondays, they have Mondays or Tuesdays, they always have workouts in the NFL and, and, and showcase guys and have a look at guys. And it always seems the teams are bringing in three or four kickers. Because if you miss a field goal that you should hit in the NFL, you're usually, especially if you're a, a younger guy and you haven't got some tenure uh, behind you, you're usually released and, brought, and someone else is brought in. So I know guys like Richie Leone and 
and uh, Sergio Castillo uh, have uh, both opted out. Brett Lowther as well in Saskatchewan. So the, that seems to be where the majority of players are opting out right now. But it gives them a chance to play, Dave, which is all they want to do, and which is it's, they deserve to, right? They deserve to get a chance to play. So I like the aspect, and, and I, it's kind of complicated, and I've read it a few times, and I'm, I'm not the smartest knife in the drawer. Uh, I've read it a few times, and I'm, I'm not able to quite decipher, but I believe that players who opt out who have uh, more than one year left so who are signed through the 2021 season they do indeed come back to their club if they yep. don't make it in the nfl so that would be the case in ricky collins jr who's opted out he has a couple of years left on his contract and if he doesn't make it he comes back and he'll pick up his contract for the 2021 season with uh the double e and it's interesting, too, because you look at the players that have opted out today. Ricky Collins is 28. Um, McLeod Bethel-Thompson is in his early 30s. Um, he opted out and is pursuing NFL work. Uh, Dion Lacey, former, uh, I'll, I'll say former Eskimo because that was the name of the team when Dion Lacey played in Edmonton. Um, you know, and, and then he signed with the Riders. And, of course, he's been in the NFL for three previous seasons, signed with the Riders, going back. He's in, he's in his late 20s. You don't normally see that, Morley, when when you see NFL teams sign CFL players, it's it's it, they're around 25 or younger or just above 25. But now you're seeing teams take a, a flyer on, you know, players that are you know kind of pushing 30 or over 30 and, and giving them a shot and which you don't normally see. Yeah, I'm not surprised with Lacey because NFL teams know him, right? Um, and mm -hmm. maybe there were some teams that might have been close to signing him the first time around and opted not to. Uh, went with some younger guys and maybe through camp there's a team that says, you know what, those guys just aren't working out. Let's go get a guy who knows the league and we know can play special teams. And that would be Deion Lacey would be a good fit for that. There's no doubt about it. There's a couple of, of younger guys, I guess. I think Dakota Shepley's on the on the younger side and, and uh, McManus and Calgary too. Mm -hmm. uh, good middle linebacker for the Stampeders, Winton McManus, and I think that, that he's he's on the younger side as well. Those are the guys that we normally see get the opportunities. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think the veteran guys and the guys, I you got to believe, Dave, the guys who are opting out have got a sniff, right? Uh, someone's told them in the NFL, says, yeah, if you're free, we're interested in you and we could sign you and br or bring you in, right? So I think all those all the guys who have opted out uh, today have an opportunity uh, in their back pocket, and I'm sure it'll be announced in the next couple of days that they've signed with somebody. Morley Scott, morning sports anchor on 6.30 Ched Mornings, and uh, my broadcast partner here on Double E Football Games on 6.30 Ched. Uh, joining me tonight on 6.30 Ched Inside Sports, uh, I'm filling in for Reed Wilkins this week. Uh, so we, we heard a lot of voices on this show, Morley, and I know you listen to the show and um, you know we hear some of the content on, on your on your morning run uh, during, with, uh, with Shay and Chelsea during your sports updates, but thinking about it today, we heard from uh, we heard from the current president of the team. We heard from the former president of the team. That's Chris Preston and Lynn Rhodes. We heard from the current general manager, Brock Sunderland, the current head coach, Scott Milanovich, the current quarterback, starting quarterback, Trevor Harris, uh, their starting center, David Beard. We heard from Ryan King, who's their long snapper and also the team rep and on the executive board of the CFL PA. We heard from current commissioner, Randy Ambrosi. We heard from former commissioner, Mark Cohan. And we heard from our good friend, Blake Dermott, who is a uh, uh, longtime Edmonton Eskimos player, two-time breakup champion, our in-game analyst. We've heard a lot of people talking about the cancellation of the season, what needs to happen going forward. I'm just wondering if there were 
one or two or three things that really resonated with you from everything that you heard from all of these voices that we had on on this show from last week? I think that the changes that have to happen, Dave, the majority of the important changes that have to happen have to be off the field. They have to be made uh, in, in the boardroom, in the offices, both the, of the league, of the teams, and of the Players Association. The most important thing from here going forward is that the league and the players get on the same page. They've, they both talked a good game. They both say that, yeah, they're ready to move forward and make 2021 a great season, but they have to prove it now. they got to walk the walk a little bit more after talking for so long, you know, it seemed, you know, they, they, they negotiated a new or got close to negotiating a new CBA for the 2020, what would have been a shortened season. They still have 21 on their uh, CBA. They need to get together, extend that, make sure people know that uh, they're going to be around for a long time. This league cannot afford to have another work stoppage after shutting down for a year because of COVID-19. So I, I really think the, uh, the league and the players have to make sure that they get on the same page and they make this game uh, viable for everybody involved. I, I, I like some of the ideas that Len Rhodes had when uh, he was on the show uh, last week. And, and, and I, I love the comparison to the National Hockey League when they missed a, a year because of a lockout. They came back. They made tweaks they made changes they made the game more exciting they added uh, the shootout they took out the center line for the two-line pass they just made things that make the game a little bit more exciting uh, the CFL can do some little things to make the game exciting but I think the biggest things they have to do is uh, is off the field they have to they have to try and figure out a way that that players and teams can be committed to each other and you know I, I, we've talked about this a lot Dave nobody seems to except for the players and, and like the one-year contracts right uh, you yeah. know a guy buys a, a jersey of a guy who signs with them and he's gone the next year I mean you look back to a year ago February when the Eskimos had that great free agency day and some of those players are gone now you know some of them never got to yeah. play because they were injured and now some of them are already gone you, it, the, the turnover is too high from on a roster in a CFL right now you need to uh, I, allow fans to get to know the players, identify with them, and become attached to them and let them play. And I think maybe they're going to have to change, maybe if they change the, the ratio rule a little bit and allow after whatever the numbers are, you know, uh, six years in the league, four years with one team, then an American becomes a Canadian on the roster, whatever the rules are that they want to work in. But I, I really think they have to do something that will make it more attractive for players to stay with their teams and uh, still be compensated fairly and the teams still get fair value from that compensation. They've got to figure that out. Uh, off the field, they've got to make sure, I think, during this extended off season, which is going to be a year and a half now, that they can continue to reach out. It's hard right now because of uh, the COVID situation, but they have to be able to reach out to the fans. And today's announcement, although it's going to cost 350 bucks, it allows the fans to kind of have that exposure that they want with the league during the offseason. I think that the league has to make sure, and, and, and we heard Scott Milanovic on the show last week say that he does not want his team to disappear from the community. Uh, and, and this is from a guy who hasn't been to the community yet. He's only been here for a brief time, uh, you know, I think two or three times while getting set for the season after he, he joined the Eskimos as their new coach. He's in Florida, but he says this team still has to have a presence in the community and he still wants to bring, when it's safe to do so and legally allowed, he wants to make sure players come to Edmonton and they get out in the community and they talk with fans and they get involved with charities and they do the things that make CFL players different from all the other players in pro sports. And 
I think that has to continue and maybe has to be cranked up a notch as well. The Eskimos are in a great situation, Dave, because they're going to be able to generate a lot of excitement moving forward because of the name change. You know, they're going to announce, I would assume, I'm just guessing here, I would assume maybe January uh, uh, 2021, they'll be in a position to make their announcement on their new name. They're going to be able to, if they do it correctly, and, and I'm sure they will, uh, they'll be able to create some buzz, not only within the within the city, within the fan base, but within the league as well, because this has never happened in uh, in the Canadian Football League, aside from teams coming back uh, in cities like Ottawa and Montreal with new names. It's never happened before, so it's a, it's a whole new situation for everybody, and the Eskimos have an opportunity to really create a buzz in town, and that means they've got to do their homework now to pick the right name, to pick the right logo, to pick the right uh, the right way to present it, and and really come out of the gates with a splash, selling their merchandise and and trying to make sure that everybody remembers they're around. So there's lots to do, and I think most of it's going to be off the field. But that being said, Dave, I still think there has to be some tweaks to the game on the field. The officiating has to be better. Some other things have to improve, uh, and. As I said earlier, both the league and the players have to make sure they get in a room and they get together and they agree on things and they can't bicker about it. They've got to put their egos aside and make sure they do what's best for the game, what's best for the fans. How about one division? There's one thing they could do right away. One division. We don't I need like, divisions. I, I, I've been a big proponent of that. You know that uh, for sure. Uh, it, you know, it, it's it's not fair that um, uh, teams, uh, you know, I go back to, well, I can't remember what year it was, I think 2016 when, when the Eskimos finished tied with the second best uh, or third best record, second best record in the league tied, and they had to play a road game. And uh, in the playoffs, and had to cross over to, to to or they had to play in Winnipeg against the Blue Bombers. It also wasn't fair to the Blue Bombers because they had also tied for the second best record in the Canadian Football League, and they had to play a team with the same record as them. Uh, so it, it wasn't fair to those two teams. Uh, a lot of people say the East will never go for it. Well, just get better, just win more football games, you know. And maybe the East is taking those That's those it. steps a little bit to become better teams. Uh, but the key is. Uh, you got to be fair to everybody, and I, and I think that also would create new matchups come playoff time. I think people it would be kind of cool to see uh, a, a Calgary, Ottawa, and an Edmonton, Montreal first round playoff matchup if they do it that way. I mean, it, it doesn't look like Halifax is going to be in the league anytime soon, so that takes up the dream of of uh, the two five team divisions and and a ten team league. That's going to be shelved, I would say, for several years now um, until everybody recovers financially from from covid so make one division make it more exciting make make uh, make the make the rivalries not just with calgary not just with saskatchewan but also continue those rivalries that the eskimos have with ottawa because of playoff matchups in the last couple of years and and that's what builds rivalries right when you play teams in the playoffs so the eskimos played ottawa in the great mm -hmm. cup they played them uh, in a crossover game and there's a little bit of a rivalry there fueled by some off-season moves as well between the two franchises but that's how you build rivalries Rivalries, and, and I think it's fresh, it's different, it's not the same old matchup. I mean, there's only a certain number of combinations you can get for playoff matchups, especially in the East with just four teams, and usually only two of them making the playoffs. So uh, that, that, to me, it would be an important step as well. Well said, Morley. Well said. Good stuff. Thanks Thanks for coming on the show tonight again, buddy. I know you've been a good contributor, uh, as always. Uh, you all, you always are a good contributor, and during the pandemic, we've had you on several, several, several times. And, uh, you know, we, we, we pine for the day where we're 
talking about a, a, a you know a league that is uh, that is kind of re, not maybe not reinvented itself, but has a new vision, new goals, and and for a stronger future. So. Hopefully we can never see this happen again. I know there's a lot of work to do off the field, uh, like you said, and a lot of work to do in the healthcare community and, the, you know, to try and handle this virus too. But hopefully, hopefully sometime in the summer of 2021, you and I are calling games again, and uh, that's what we look forward to. So I know you got to go to bed now. So uh, have a good sleep, and we'll uh, hear from you tomorrow, okay? All right, Dave. Uh, we will uh, talk later. Thanks for having me. Morley Scott, he's got to go to bed now because he's the uh, sports anchor on 630 Ched Mornings with Chelsea and Shea and also the... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Your play-by-play voice of the AA football team right here on 630 Chet. All right, so the New York Islanders draw first blood in their second-round Eastern Conference playoff series for the Philadelphia Flyers, a 4-0 win. Dallas Stars, Colorado Avalanche are on the ice here in Edmonton. Game two of their second-round Western Conference playoff series. Ricky Collins, Jr. of their double-E football team, has opted out of his contract. He was uh, due to become a pending free agent in 2021. That is to pursue an NFL opportunity. We're in the opt-out period in the CFL for the next seven days. should also mention former Eskimo Nick Usher, defensive end he was waived today by the Oakland Raiders with an injury designation so he has to clear waivers Blue Jays win 6-4 over the Tampa Bay Rays we are back tomorrow with another two hours we'll have uh, Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary and much much more we'll keep you updated on the playoffs in the Stanley Cup uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs here in Edmonton and in Toronto for studio producer Kellen Kennedy I'm Dave Campbell have a great evening good night Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.